what kind of a doctor would you like? Would you like to have a doctor that has met certain certifications that you know meets a board examination standard and you know that they have a requisite body of knowledge in the field of medicine that they are practicing? Would you like to know that they went to a good college and that they got good grades? Or would you go to the doctor that has maybe some questionable background, uh, maybe got a C minus minus at some college somewhere? Is that who you want? Cutting on you, working on you, prescribing you drugs? We want someone that we know that we can be confident in has the knowledge to treat us and to care for us. There are standards that are there to protect us. And it's true not just in medicine, but it's true in any number of fields. And so we want to know, does this person measure up? And in the same way, as Amos is writing to the people of Israel, in Amos chapters 7 through 9, He's going to ask the question, do the people of God measure up? Are they doing, acting, behaving, thinking the way God wants his people to do? As we look at what God says to Amos, there's a very interesting uh, analogy uh, that exists for his people today. And for us to understand that, I want us to think about the five visions of Amos in the final chapters of this book. I want us to recognize how the people of Israel responded to that message. And then I want us to consider, our, consider the question, are we acting as God's people today? So let's begin by thinking about the five visions of Amos. As you turn to Amos chapter 7, we see the first vision uh, that is listed in Amos chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, is the vision of locusts. And locusts were a, something that were a great plague that existed in antiquity, and especially in the Middle East. And so in Amos chapter 7, God says, beginning in verse 1, Thus says the Lord God, or thus the Lord God showed me. And behold, he was forming a locust swarm when the spring crop began to sprout. And behold, the spring crop was after the king's mowing. And it came about that when it had finished eating the vegetation of land, that I said, Lord, God, please pardon. How can Jacob stand for he is small? The Lord changed his mind about this. It shall not be, said the Lord. And so we see in this first vision that God says to Amos, look, I'm going to destroy Jacob, I'm going to destroy Israel, that northern kingdom, because of its sin, because it has fallen away, because it is no longer following me. But Amos, when he sees the vision, pleads with God. He says, look, Jacob is small. Are you really going to destroy Jacob? And God says, okay, Amos, I'll not destroy them. But then we have the second plague of famine. Verse 4, thus the Lord showed me, and behold, the Lord... God was calling to contend with him by fire, and it consumed the great deep and began to consume the farmland. Then I said, Lord God, please stop. How can Jacob stand? For he is small. The Lord changed his mind about this too. 
This too shall not be, the Lord says. And so twice when God is speaking to Amos, Amos pleads, and he says, look, I, I, I know Israel has sinned. I, I know they've gone away from following you. But they're small. They're insignificant. Will you really destroy them? And God says, okay, Jacob, or Amos, I'll let it go. But God's judgment was a sure thing. Meaning that once God had determined that he was going to hold Israel accountable, the judgment and the execution of that judgment was going to happen. And so God said, Israel, I'm going to measure you. When was the last time you used a plumb line? It's not something I use very often. I think I used it once in 1980-something when my granddad was putting new shingles on his house. I don't know. Mike's probably used a plumb line more than that. I don't know. Don't want to put words in the man's mouth. But, you know, in a construction field, you may use a plumb line, but it's used to, to actually measure a straight line up and down by having a weight that goes straight to the ground and a string that you hold from the top side. And it allows you to get the absolute straight up and down line. You can really measure whether or not a wall is straight up and down with that plumb line. And so God uses this analogy of plumb line, and he uses it to measure Israel. Chapter 7, verse 7. Thus he showed me, and behold, the Lord was standing by, the, by a vertical wall with a plumb line in his hand. The Lord said to me, What do you see, Amos? And I said, A plumb line. The Lord said, Behold, I'm about to put a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac will be desolated, and the sanctuaries of Israel laid waste. Then I will rise up against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. God says, Jake, or Amos, you've pleaded with me these two times to spare Israel. And I've done that. But it's time for me to really measure Israel. Do they live up to the standard of what it is to be my people? And I already know what I'm going to find. And the first time God has had to look at Israel and to note whether or not they are his people. And so God says, I know what I'm going to find. And when I find it, Amos, I want you to know, I'm going to bring a sword against Jeroboam. Now remember, Jeroboam, Jeroboam the first was that king after Solomon's death that leads the northern kingdom away from God's away from God. And he deliberately, in order to hold on to his power in the divided kingdom, says, I'm going to set up these false gods, one, one in Bethel. Keep that in mind because we're going to talk about Bethel in a moment. One in Bethel and one in Dan. So that the people of Israel will have no reason to go to Jerusalem to worship God in the true temple of God and worship according to the two true standards of Levitical worship. And so Jeroboam was purposeful in leading Israel away. And God says, I'm going to bring a sword against Israel. Later on, in chapter 8, we see another vision, the fourth vision that God has in these chapters. Look at chapter 8, in verse 1. 
Thus the Lord God showed me, and behold, there was a basket of summer fruit. He said, what do you see, Amos? And I say, a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The songs of the palace will turn to wailing in that day, declares the Lord. Many will be corpses in every place. They will cast them forth in silence. Hear this, you who trample the needy, to do away with the humble land. And he goes on to say some things to them that's going to describe their sin, and we'll look at some of those things in a moment. But you see, God says, do you see that basket over there? That's summer fruit. When was the last time you had maybe a bunch of bananas? You just let them set out and set out and set out. What happens? You get some house guests, don't you? And they start buzzing around your house, and they start kind of hanging out wherever you are, uh, and we hate those pesky fruit flies, right? You set out a basket of fruit, and at first, it is a wonderful thing. And it looks so delightful. In fact, there are some people that will get a basket of fruit, and they will place it on the center of their table, almost as decoration. But if you just let it sit there, and sit there, and sit there, it rusts. And it's good for nothing except to be thrown out. And God says, here is Israel. It had been intended for wonderful, beautiful things. But instead, it's become a basket of fruit that has been left out and spoiled and will be good only to be thrown out, to be cast forth. A little bit later on, chapter 9, verses 1 through 4, Amos has a vision of the altar of God. I saw the Lord standing beside the altar, and he said to me, Smite the capitals so that the thresholds will shake and break on them on all the and break them on the heads of them all. Then I will slay the rest with the sword. I will not have a fugitive who will flee or a refugee who will escape. Though they dig into Sheol, from there will my hand take them. And though they ascend to heaven, from there I will, will I bring them down. Though they hide in the summit of Mark Carmel, I will search them out and take them from there. And though they conceal themselves in my sight on the floor of the sea, from there I will command the serpent and it will bite them. And though they go into the captivity before their enemies, from there I will command the sword that it slay them. And I will set my eyes against them for evil and not for good. The Lord of hosts, the one who touches the land so that it melts and all those who dwell in it mourn, and all of it rises up like an isle and subsides like the Nile of Egypt, the one who builds the upper chambers in the heavens, he and has founded his vaulted dome over the earth, he who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth, the Lord is his name. He is man. That's right, JP. God says, Amos, you're not going to be able to plead for me or plead to me anymore for Israel. Because they've not measured up. They've not been my people. 
though they were set there for something special and something beautiful and something wonderful, they have spoiled themselves so that they're only good to be cast out. And I'm going to bring the sword upon them because of their sin. And I'm going to go into the very throne room or the very altar room of the temple and tear it down. This was an important message and imagery for Israel because in their minds, even though they worshipped these false gods, in their minds they were still God's people. And as long as the temple was still in Jerusalem, that's where God's presence was, and God was always going to take care of them. And the imagery here is that it's coming to an end. And God's judgment is sure, and it will not change. And once it's stated, it will be. And so the warning was very serious for Israel. And, and it was one that they needed to heed and one they needed to listen to and one they needed to act upon. And he says, you're going to go to exile and you're not going to come back. And for the northern kingdom, that was true. Israel, those tw ten tribes would never come back. The only ones of the ten tribes that remained were the ones that infiltrated and, and returned to uh, the southern kingdom and become part of the southern kingdom. But the ones that rejected God, they are no more. And so these were the five visions that God gives to Amos. The importance of the five visions is that they serve the substance, they serve as the substance of God's message to Israel through Amos. Each vision is a message directed from God. Each vision has God making a pronouncement against Israel. Each vision has God communicating with Amos. Chapter 7, verses 1, chapter 7, chapter 8, verse 1, chapter 9, verse 1. And God has these interactions with Amos in chapter 7, verse 8, and 8, verse 2. Uh, where God calls Amos to be a prophet. Each speaks to God's judgment and his sentence upon Israel. In the first two visions, God uh, listens to Amos's pleading for Israel. And, and, and because of that, God relents. But the theme of the five visions together is that God's judgment is sure. It's not going to go away. And now what we begin to see is that God specifies the sins of Israel. Israel did not know God and refused to follow God. Chapter 3, verse 10. Israel had fallen into idolatry, chapter 5, verse 26. They were apathetic. Uh, they were selfish. They were unconcerned for others. We saw those in previous weeks, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, chapter 4, verse 1. They had caved in to sexual immorality, chapter 2, verse 7. As a nation, they were full of crime, social injustice, taking advantage of the needy, taking advantage of the oppressed, chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, chapter 4, verse 1, chapter 5, verse 11. They conducted violence against their own neighbors, chapter 3, verse 10. 
They no longer conducted themselves with integrity in business. Chapter 8, verses 4 through 6, they used unjust scales and, and balances to take advantage of one another. The court was corrupted, chapter 2, verse 7, chapter 5, verse 7. Their leadership was corrupt, chapter 7, verses 12 through 13. Society as a whole had become corrupted, chapter 2, verse 12. And they practiced empty religion, chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. And so the entirety of the book is one of message of you need to return to God. You need to get rid of these sins. God is thoroughly vindicated and justified in holding Israel accountable. And yet Israel does not want to listen to God's message. Remember that northern kingdom worships at Bethel and at Dan. And so one of these prophets comes to confront Amos. And this is how Israel will respond to that message. Let's go back to chapter 8. Or excuse me, chapter 7, verse 10. Notice carefully, chapter 7, verse 10. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent word to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is unable to endure all his words. Something every preacher has to deal with. You can snicker. It's okay. But in all seriousness, here comes this priest, Amaziah, a priest of Bethel. Remember, these were not Levitical priests. Or if they were, if they did happen to be Levites by ancestry, they were not serving according to the Levitical code. They were now serving in the temple to these statues, and he had set them up in Dan, in the very northern part of the kingdom, and in Bethel, towards the southern end. But the idea was Jeroboam set these up so that the Israelites would not go back into Judah, they would not go back into Jerusalem, because they thought, you know, if they ever go back there, then there's going to be a move to reunite the kingdom, I'm going to lose my kingdom. And so he sets these up. And here comes one of these prophets serving at, at Bethel. And he says, look, king, this is what this guy is saying. Uh, he's disturbing all of Israel with this preaching that they need to return to God. If you don't do something about it, they're going to leave. Now, from Amaziah's standpoint, they're going to leave his false religion and go back to God. From Jeroboam's standpoint, hey, they're going to leave and they're going to return to the southern kingdom and you're going to lose your power. And so they weren't happy with the things that Amos was preaching. Verse 11, For thus Amos says, Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will certainly go uh, into its, uh, its land, from its land into exile. Verse 12, Then Amaziah said to Amos, so now he's spoken to the king, now he's looking at Amos in the face. Go, you seer, and flee away to the land of Judah. And there eat bread, and there do your prophesy. But no longer prophesy at Bethel, for it is the sanctuary of the king and a royal residence. Now notice what Amos responds, verse 14. Then Amos replied to Amaziah, I am not a prophet, nor am I a son of a prophet. Of a prophet. For I am a herdsman and a grower of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock and the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. There may be some back and forth here. 
in which Amos says, look, Amaziah, you are a prophet, quote, unquote. Maybe Amaziah was trained in the order of prophets that existed at Bethel, and Amos is kind of getting a little bit of get, digging on him here. He says, I'm not a professional prophet who just says whatever people want to hear. It's you, Amaziah. God took me from the position of being a shepherd and someone who tends fig groves to preach his word. And that's what I'm doing. And you better listen to it. Oftentimes, we have people in the world today who set themselves up as great prophets or great preachers, and maybe they are. Maybe they are dynamic. Maybe they have learned all the tools of the trade of being a dynamic speaker, being able to grab people's attention, being able to influence them to do any number of things, but their souls are empty inside. Or the substance of what they're teaching is something different from what the Word of God says. And Amos says, look, Amaziah, I'm not like you. God wants me to speak as true as I'm speaking, and you better listen. You can imagine how Amaziah might have taken that message. Verse 16, now hear the word of the Lord. You, you are saying, you shall not prophesy against Israel, nor shall you speak against the house of Israel. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife will become a harlot in the city. Your sons and your daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be parceled up by a measuring line, and you yourself will die upon unclean soil. Moreover, Israel will certainly go from its land into exile. And so Amos tells Amaziah, you don't want me to speak the word of God, but here's what's going to happen to you because of the position you've taken. Because you would have me lead, a, lead astray the people of Israel and say, I'm not going to preach that word that God has given me. What's going to happen to you, Amaziah? Your wife is going to be forced into a horrible, horrible life. Your kids are going to all be killed. And you're going to be carried away into Assyrian captivity. Even in the days of Jeroboam, the second king of Israel, the Assyrians would come and attack Israel, and eventually in 722 B.C., the Assyrians would destroy Samaria and lead Israel into exile, and they would never come back. The Babylonians will later destroy the Assyrians and mix up and displace all of their population. And mixed in there somewhere were these unfaithful Israelites. Amaziah did not respond well to the message that Amos had been taught to preach. And because of that, Israel is going to go through all the things that God says they're going to encounter. Look at chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. Hear this, you who trample the needy, who do away with the humble of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over, and so that we will sell grain on the Sabbath, that we may open the wheat market, to make the bushel smaller and the shekel bigger, and to cheat with dishonest scales, but as, so as to buy the helpless for money and the needy for a pair, and, they shall, that, and that we may sell the refuse of the wheat. They were a corrupt, sinful nation, looking out for themselves, and God is going to hold them accountable. And yet, in all of this, there is a message 
of hope. God says, I'm not going to completely destroy Israel because there are some who are faithful. Look at chapter 9, verse 11. In that day I will raise up the fallen booth of David, wall up its breaches, and I will also raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Eden. And all the nations who are called by, name, by my name, declares the Lord. Behold, days are coming when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. When the mountains will drip sweet wine and this, the hills will be dissolved, also I will restore the captivity of my people Israel and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. And I will also plant them on their land and they will not again be rooted out of their land which I have given them, says the Lord your God. God was always going to keep a faithful remnant. There are always going to be a few that even though the world was corrupt around them and even though there was sin and, and corruption uh, around them, still they were going to be faithful to God. And things may be dark for them for a time. And this was certainly the case with the southern kingdom of Judah. Things would be dark for them. They would be impacted by the sins of others. They might even be carried away as the southern kingdom was carried away into captivity by the Babylonians. And yet those who remained faithful to God came back and they rebuilt the city of Jerusalem and they rebuilt the temple with Nehemiah and Ezra. But there's something else in this picture. There is going to be someone from the line of David who to restore all things. And there would be forgiveness, and there would be healing, and there would be life. And sometimes in our lives there is sin all around us, and there is darkness, and there is blackness, and sometimes we might think, I am never going to escape this. But those who turn to God, regardless of the depth, And the penetration of that blackness. When you turn to God, there is restoration. And there is renewal. And there is life. And that is a message that is consistent throughout the scriptures. When those who have even gone into great darkness are willing to turn to God, they will find that he will restore them. And not only restore them, but make them fruitful. Let them rebuild. Let them have life. And that's the final message of Amos. As you think about acting as God's people today, I wonder how would you say that God's people measure up? If God were to bring his plumb line uh, among his church today, what would he find? Would he find us as being a people that act with true hearts, that act with faithfulness to his word, that carry themselves with the love that he has for his children and the love that he has for his word and for his followers? 
do it to bring a plumb line into your home? What would he find? Would he find a straight wall of faith? A straight wall of action? A straight wall of love? A straight wall of purity? And when he tells you what he finds, how will you respond? Will you respond by making the corrections that he says might need to be made? If he says, I find this wall to be true and straight and, and honest and full of love and full of grace and full of life, will you praise God or will you turn inward and say, look how great I am? And become complacent or summon Judah Wood? Or will you thank God because you know that it's because of his grace and his love that our walls have been made straight? Or the hand of the perfect, eternal, and loving architect. Who's built the walls in your heart? Are they true? Are they sound? Are they upright? And are they faithful? If you're here this morning and you need to make the walls of your heart straight and true and strong, if you have needs in your, in your life that you want the church to be aware of, if you want the church to pray for you, whatever your need is, won't you come? Together we stand and sing.